Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend, and welcome back to Women Encouraged. I'm so thankful to have you here. Today's guest is someone you might remember from a previous episode. Danielle Hitchin is the wonderful lady who wrote and created the Baby Believer Board books, such as First Bible Basics and From Eden to Bethlehem. These books serve as primers to help engage your children and introduce them to big concepts and help them understand the Bible and our Christian faith. Danielle is also co-host of the Sacred Season podcast, a show about parenting through the church here. Today, Danielle is back with me to talk about Jesus, broken bodies, and Lent. And even though I recorded this conversation with Danielle before COVID-19 became a pandemic, it's not lost on us that as we get nearer to Good Friday and Easter, we are in the midst of something that is daily confronting us with the way sin brings brokenness, disease, and death. I'm really grateful for this chance to share my conversation with Danielle, with you, and think together about the importance of our bodies, why Jesus coming and being physically present with us and for us matters, and for parents, how we can talk with our children about their bodies. Before my conversation with Danielle gets going, though, I want to share with you that this episode is made possible by donations from friends of the show like you. Supporters through Patreon have access to the full content of the Last Women Encouraged conference talks, the opportunity to help us choose upcoming content, monthly supporter video chats, participate in our Ask Us Anything episode coming up in May, and more. We are always thankful for your messages of support, and we love hearing how God is using the Women Encouraged podcast in your life. We hope you'll prayerfully consider linking arms with us through Patreon to enable us to continue to share faithful Christian encouragement with you all. You can find out more about being a patron of the show at patreon.com slash women encouraged, or you can find a link in our Instagram profile and in our show notes as well. Let's get started with my chat with Danielle. not very often that I get to welcome someone back, and it is a delight to have Danielle Hitchin back to the show. Danielle, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, Bethany, thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to be back on Women Encouraged. Would you introduce yourself for our listeners that maybe didn't hear about you the first time? They're going to want to go back and listen, but um, this time, just tell us about yourself. Tell us what's new and just share what you've been working on. We want to hear about it. Sure. So my name is Danielle Hitchin, and I am a wife to Nathan of eight years. And then I've got three kids who are five, three, and one, two daughters with a little boy sandwiched in the middle. I am the author of the Baby Believer Primer books. These are a series of concept board books designed to teach the littlest ones among us the core concepts of the Christian faith. Though from what I understand, older kids can enjoy them as well. My five-year-old still enjoys reading them, so that's great. And I'm also um, recently the co-host of a new podcast called Sacred Season, which explores life and motherhood through the lens of the church calendar. That is really, really neat. And I I 
didn't know about this actually until we first started talking about you coming back to the show. I'm really excited to check this out and we will put links to that in our show notes. Um, and we'll remind everybody at the end of the show again, get to go check out your, your new podcast. But, um, I have been a fan of these baby believer books for so long. I think since you maybe kickstarted your first one, um, they're just, just such gifts to families and they also make great gifts. I have to say, I usually give them out at Christmas or birthdays or baby showers. It's like my favorite thing to give people to get them started um, thinking about what they're going to pass on to their children. And we have a little bit of that coming into our show today, but we're going to be talking because it's Lent when this airs. Um, we're going to be talking actually about our bodies, about Jesus's physical coming and suffering And we're going to be talking about how we teach our children about that and what we model for our kids in terms of why our bodies matter and and what we communicate with them about that. So I'm super excited to to hit this topic with you, Danielle. Um, Before we get going, would you just explain, when I say the word Lent, um, that might be confusing to some people, would you share with us what that word means and and why it would matter to, to your average everyday Christian? Yeah, so um, in the church calendar, Lent is the season that's usually marked um, for the 40 days preceding Easter, which excludes Sundays. So it's about six weeks, um, and this year it runs from February 26th until Easter Sunday, which um, I think is mid mid April at this point. I don't have the exact date for that one. Um, but basically, it's a season that the church generally observes um, a couple of spiritual disciplines, fasting, almsgiving and prayer. Um, and they usually do these communally, although some people do them on their own if the church doesn't, um, you know, observe these things as a, as a congregation. And it's a wonderful season to step back and to meditate on, um, on Christ's sacrifice. And um, it's 40 days because it mirrors Christ's time um, in the desert before he begins his ministry officially. So it's time to just step out of your daily routines to pull back from some of the normal luxuries of your life and to meditate on Christ and his work in your life. That's so great. And yes, Easter is mid-April. It's actually April 12th in 2020. I'm excited for this year because I think, I don't know if, if you have to explain to your kids why you don't do the Easter bunny. We've never, we've never even like <laughs> had that conversation just because our kids are aware, but we, we tend to do a lot. We're not, um, I've never actually been to an Ash Wednesday service or anything like that. So we don't get like in our family, we're not very involved in a lot of the Lenten practices. But one thing that we do is actually we decorate for Easter. And that's something that I grew up with in my home. Um, And it was just a really good thing for me as a kid to really think about um, Jesus is coming and the purpose of it and why I needed him. And, but also my mom made this thing. I got to tell you about this. I'm so excited actually, because when you're talking about um, just those weeks leading up and, and what you do kind of to remind yourself of, of what Jesus went through, actually, my mom made a tomb out of styrofoam. She painted it gray. She decorated <laughs> it with rocks. I distinctly remember going out in the driveway and picking up the little pebbles to decorate the tomb. And we would cover the door of the tomb with a rock. And then Easter Sunday morning, we would wake up and my mom would have this special breakfast made. But the most important thing was that the rock was no longer over the door of the tomb mm-hmm. and we could see inside the tomb. And it was empty, of course. And beautiful. Yeah, it's just, it's, 
I copied that from my mom. I made one and I'm so looking forward to, as my kids are getting older, just to continue those conversations and those family traditions. Um, But one of the things that we have to kind of face at the Lenten season is that Jesus actually physically suffered. And this impacts us here. I remember John Piper saying that, you know, the body you have is the body that Jesus is going to raise from the dead. And so your body does matter. But I want to hear from you, Danielle, would you share with us um, just your perspective on why our bodies matter and how we think about our bodies in light of sin? Yeah, that's a great question and one that you could probably host an entirely um, an entire like podcast season on. Absolutely. In the first chapter of Genesis, God made our bodies and they pre-exist the fall and they pre-exist sin. You know, on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve. He blessed them and gave them their mission gave them their food. And then he closed out the sixth day and he called it good, which means that God called their bodies good. They are an integral part of who God created humans to be. And I think that's so important. You know, there's a lot of um, really wonky theology around the body in the church. And, you know, there's sometimes an idea that our bodies don't matter that much, or maybe our souls matter more than our bodies do because our souls get to go to heaven. But actually what we affirm as Christians is that we believe in the resurrection of the body and the yeah. life everlasting. You know, we believe that we will be united body and soul in the second coming of Christ. And so our bodies are, are of central importance to God, and they are part of who he made us to be in this life. Now, the hard thing is that our bodies, like every other part of creation, exist in the in the tension of the already not yet. God is redeeming them, but they are not yet fully redeemed. And so our bodies are subject to sin. And, you know, I feel the fallenness of my body every day. My body does not do the things that I always want it to do in the sense of like my back hurts and I'm tired and I need sleep that I'm not getting because I have a one-year-old who's not a great sleeper. And I feel those effects in my body. And so we do have to to grapple with the reality that our bodies aren't yet the, you know, most perfect, fully redeemed version that we are going to have at the second coming of Christ. Um, But it is wonderful to know that our bodies are also in the process of redemption and are a part of how God is, is making us new and is a part of how he is restoring us in this life here on earth. So you mentioned that you know, that God is in the process of restoring and and that we live in that tension of already, but not yet. And so, you know, we know like Jesus is coming actually changed some people's bodies right there. And it was a testimony um, to what God was going to do with their souls, really. And that's, so it wasn't just that he was there to physically heal people and make everybody feel better, but that he was actually um, telling us something about himself and about who God was or who God is. And so you actually have a book out right now that just recently released for children called Jesus Heals. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, Jesus Heals is an anatomy primer, so it uses the healing miracles of Jesus to walk through basic anatomy, uh, ears, mouth, eyes, hands, back, uh, whole body with Lazarus. And um, I have loved looking at all of the healing miracles of Jesus as one complete set, because often you get the, the healing miracles in isolation isolation. You know, you hear a sermon on the the paralytic man who's healed, or you hear a sermon on the blind man who's healed, but you don't generally look at these stories all together. And it was really remarkable to read each story um, and to see the ways that 
um, healing often came by faith and as a as a part of of restoration for the person's soul um, and as an outgrowth of of their faith in Christ. And at the end of each miracle, um, at least for the majority of them, it ends by saying, and they praised the God of Israel or, and they praised Jesus and went forth and told everybody about him. And uh, it's just so extraordinary the way that Jesus cares for bodies during his earthly ministry. You know, he, he heals bodies, he feeds bodies, he washes bodies. um, He institutes communion, the Eucharist, which is feeding bodies. And it's so evident from the way that Christ interacts with people that he cares for their bodies because it's a part of caring for their souls. It's a part of meeting their basic needs and a part of saying to them that that they are valuable, that they are cared for by God, um, and that this is a part of the redemption process. Um, And one thing so this book ends with a verse from First Peter, and I'm just going to to read it to you. It says, yeah. Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross. He did this so that we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. And we are healed because of his wounds. And I think that's such an appropriate verse to end a book about the body with, because it's a reminder that each of us has experienced a healing miracle. Whether or not we've experienced that in our bodies, we have experienced that in our souls. You know, Christ came in a physical body, died in a physical body, rose again in a physical body, and by those wounds, we are healed. Our souls are healed. He has opened the way for us to be united with God forevermore. And it's just such an extraordinary part of his ministry, that his body is so integral to to healing us, body and soul. I love that. And I, I have to echo that, just that one thing that I was really struck by in this little children's book as I was reading it to my kids was just how these parts of the body relate to our souls. You know, we need to be given sight to see him. We need ears to hear him. We need um, the strength to do his will. And yeah, I love that in this little book, you're you're taking these stories about who Jesus was, what he's doing for us, and um, just that kids can see that Jesus actually does care about their physical body, but but even more than that, he is there to rescue their soul, and that's such a beautiful thing. So why? I mean, some people might think, it, why couldn't Jesus have just healed us from afar, or or decided to save us from afar? Why does it matter that Jesus physically came and was actually present with us? That's another really big question, um, and probably a more learned theologian would be better at this than I would. But I would say that um, you know we hear in the Old Testament about atoning sacrifices, which are made with the bodies and blood of animals, um, and not with their souls or not happening from afar. And, you know, when, when Christ comes, John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's very much um, a metaphor and a relation to, you know, the sacrifices required by the law of the old Testament. And I think that um, when Christ coming in a body is, is to show us that our bodies were good and created by God and a central part of our humanity. But two, I don't think that the sacrifice or the healing or the saving could have happened from afar. We needed a substitutionary atoning sacrifice, which could only come through through the death of the body of a pure and perfect sacrifice. Yeah. And Christ provided that for us as the Lamb of God. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That really, we needed someone to stand in our place, not just spiritually, but physically as well. Because, absolutely. yeah, not only is our is our soul affected by sin and changed forever because of that, but our physical bodies bear the marks of sin and um, just carry the brokenness that came at the fall. So, yeah, I love what you're explaining there. That's so good. So how does that part of the gospel message, how does that transform our own view of our needs and, you know, including both our spiritual and physical, how does Jesus's physical coming change the way we look at what we need from him? I think it's a good reminder to take care of our bodies and to remember that our bodies are valuable to God. And actually one story I wanted to mention, um, which is an Old Testament story, but I think really speaks to God's care of the body, um, is the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. And this is right after um, Elijah defeats the prophets of, of Baal, and he is fleeing from Queen Jezebel, and he goes to the desert and he asks God to die. He lies down on a broom tree and asks God to die. And instead of letting him die, God puts him to sleep, wakes him up, feeds him, puts him back to sleep. And then when he wakes up rested, he journeys to talk to God and have his spiritual needs met. And I just love that instead of confronting Elijah in this moment of exhaustion and hunger and fear, God gives his body exactly what it needs. You know, it gives him sleep and rest. He gives him food. And then when he is ready to meet with God, he he's able to go and receive the spiritual care that he needs. And, you know, I think that, that God um, works deeply, shows his care deeply to us through the ways that he cares for our body, through the ways that he implements, um, you know, he implemented a day of rest as a way of caring for our bodies and souls. And um, Jesus coming in a spiritual body, um, these Protestants believe he implemented two sacraments. One is the sacrament of baptism and the other is a, is a sacrament of communion or the Eucharist. And both of which are very bodily physical things. Yeah. Jesus washes our bodies with water. We need to be clean and he um, feeds us with bread and wine, the central things that we need to keep our bodies going. Um, and so I think Jesus is coming in a, in a physical body shows us that our, our physical needs, our need for washing, our need for food, our need for rest, all of those things point to the fact um, that our, our physical needs need to be met alongside of our spiritual needs or maybe even ahead of our spiritual needs. It can be really difficult to um, prioritize spiritual needs if you are hungry or if you are tired. Um, and I'm sure every mom has experienced this, right? In the first yeah. sleepless weeks of a newborn or the first sleepless year of an infant, it can be really hard to force yourself to like sit down and have prayer time. And some of the best advice I ever received was just sometimes to take a nap with the Lord, you know, lay down on the couch, focus on God, maybe have a little bit of meditative prayer, think about a verse, drift off to sleep and let yourself rest in that. And that's, um, I think that's a wonderful way to think about God and, and where he meets us. He can meet us in the rest and he can meet us in the food. He can meet us in the hot shower, which we all know we need. God cares so much for us and he meets us in, in those things. Yeah. 
I love that. And it's actually like while you're talking, it's been reminding me of what I've been reading lately. Um, Just I've been in the Psalms um, every month. I go through the Psalms for the last several Mm -hmm. months. And what you were talking about was bringing so many different verses to mind. Like when I think it's Psalm 103, it says, you know, that he remembers that we're dust. He knows he knows what we're made from. He's the one who made us. And so he he Mm -hmm. brokenness and our frailty. And then also um, in Psalm 4, there's a verse that's just been kind of a staple for me when I've gone through periods of insomnia or just um, anxiety trying to fall asleep and I'm not able to mm-hmm. all the thoughts racing. And just one of those verses that I've just used to meditate on and fall asleep was, um, I'll lay down in peace and sleep for you, O Lord, keep me in safety. You make me dwell in safety. I love that verse. And um, it's actually the ending of one of my other books, Psalms of Praise, which is a movement summer. Yes. And that book is so much about the body as well, in the sense of like, we were created to praise God with our whole bodies, whether it's in in stillness and sleep, or whether it's in exuberant clapping and dancing, or on our knees. Our bodies are just an integral part of praising God. Yeah. And like you said, we're basically just skimming the surface of this topic. There's so much that we could go into and we'd be here for hours and hours and both of us are moms and that would not be fair to anybody. So we can't do that. But um, I'm hoping we can just put some good resources in the show notes and I'll have you send me some and I'll pop some in there too. And people will be able to take a look and just get some more, um, maybe just information, maybe some teaching on on why Jesus's physical suffering, his presence here why it's important, why it impacts us now and in eternity. Um, can you, do you have any thoughts on that particular topic, why it matters that Jesus's body was broken for us? We talked about that, but how does his physical suffering, how does that impact us here and now, but also in eternity? So I think that, um, I mean, what, the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, we understand that Christ was tempted in every way that we were. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I have experienced physical suffering, um, you know, like I threw out my back this summer and I like couldn't do anything for days. I couldn't lift my baby. It was agony to nurse her. And it was so, I mean, so exasperating. Um, but it was just a, a source of encouragement to me to remember that the Christ experienced that kind of physical suffering. I mean, he didn't necessarily throw out his back, but his suffering was a lot worse. So one, I could handle having my back thrown out. And two, to remember that like he, he knows everything that we go through. He has felt it. He has understood it. And he certainly understands the temptation, um, to, to wonder what, what God is doing in the brokenness and in the pain. And, you know, physical suffering makes it so easy to be discouraged, so easy, I think, to doubt God's goodness, so easy to be frustrated at why you're not experiencing immediate relief. But I think that those things all draw us closer to God. Um, And Christ's physical suffering is just one more way that he buoys us up and helps us um, to understand his deep compassion and care and love for us. That's so beautiful. And it's so relatable, too. I mean, um, a lot of our listeners know I I suffered a concussion in November, and um, it's been a long process of healing. I'm still working on that. I'm still doing what I can do. But in a lot of ways, I'm just waiting for God. And and that's a hard place to be, but to know also that Jesus had to wait too. He waited. Um, he waited through his time being tempted in the desert. He waited through many different times of suffering, um, hunger and and pain, and he had to endure loss and loneliness and 
So he's not a stranger to the kind of suffering that that I'm going through, even though it may have looked different. Ultimately, he understands what it means to wait on the Lord and to physically struggle with different things. So that's absolutely true. He he knows. You know, he knows how you feel. He has the ability to be completely empathetic with you. Yeah. And it's so lovely to worship a Savior who, who knows us so intimately. Yes. Amen. So what are some ways, so for those of us that are moms, what are some ways that we can share these kinds of truths effectively with our children? Um, and maybe if, maybe if our listeners are not mothers, maybe they have children in their life that they want to be able to share these things with. But, but let's talk specifically to moms. Um, how can we share this? really well and faithfully with our children? So, um, you know, if I'm going to be self-promotional, I would say that reading Jesus Heals and Psalms of Praise with your kids is a great way to start. Absolutely. Um, there's also a, a great book out there called God Made All of Me, which is a book on on body safety and abuse prevention um, done really appropriately for kids who are like around the, the three, four, five, and even a little bit older yeah. age range. Um, and then I think just talking about their bodies being valuable, talk about their bodies as being created by God and being good, um, pointing out the amazing things that kids can do with their bodies, the ways that they, you know, jump and run and the ways that they're strong. I think all of those things are really important. Uh, when your kids get hurt, it's a great opportunity to talk about their bodies um, as being, you know, broken in a sense, um, and how, you know, God is the ultimate healer of us all and he's healing us body and soul. Um, you know, he's like a permanent band-aid. I'm sure your kids love band-aids just like mine do. So, um, so I think those are all great ways. And, and to talk about how we, how we praise God with our whole body and encourage our kids to, um, enjoy the, the physical aspects of prayer and praise where they're able to and appropriately able to. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing I love about, like, we don't go to this kind of uh, denomination anymore, but one denomination we came out of was very physically involved in worship. Like, there was a lot of um, hands in the air praising God. And, you know, and in some churches, you know, people kneel when they pray. And so I think when you can encourage your children to physically engage in worship, it, it, it does something. It actually is meaningful to to encourage them like God cares about your body. He cares what you do with your body and your body is made for him. It's, um, you know, you're not your own. You belong to your savior. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that Heidelberg Catechism one. And it's also kind of modified in the New City Catechism. You know, yeah. what's your comfort in life and death? That I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are those mm-hmm. are things that ultimately they do sink down into hearts and and really um, form thought patterns about our bodies. And my husband says many times that he grew up thinking that you're basically your body was only good for bringing your brain to church or, you know, soul <laughs> around. and he said, I just don't want our kids to grow up thinking that like that God actually, um, he does care about your body. So what, you know, you kind of mentioned um, that book, God Made All of Me, which is a great book um, that kind of helps to um, give our kids some solid truths about what God cares about in terms of their bodies and um, and how he values that. And so what are some other things that we should be teaching our children about their bodies? I think that we should teach them that their their hands are for serving and for kindness. You know, I've got an active little boy who is very physical. Um, I've got, I mean, my girls are active as well, but my little boy just seems to relate more with his body. You know, he can relate with the, the 
pushing and the touching and the jumping and the, you know, so we work a lot about how, how do we use our bodies for kindness, um, and gentleness and for honoring others. Um, also talking about using our bodies for serving, I think is important that our hands are used for serving others and for, um, giving to others. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to talk about, you know, how to use our bodies for, um, for those sorts of like virtue and character cultivating things. Um, we can also talk about, you know, using our bodies to protect others. And I think this is something you probably get to a little bit more as your kids are yeah. older. Um, but, you know, anytime you see some bullying happening or people being unkind, just encouraging your children to stand up for other people, to um, use, you know, the, the positions they've been given um, as daughters and sons of the king for for defending other kids and for using their bodies for that. And I'm not encouraging you, like, kids to get fist fights or anything. No, I know but... what you mean. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, that ended up like going a direction that I was like, oh, wait a second, this could be misinterpreted. It's totally good. I get what you mean. And but you don't want you don't want your kids to stand by and watch, you know, other kids be violent to other children and not intervene. Like if you if they were at the park or something like that or on the playground or whatever and they witnessed something like that, like you God gave you a body in some ways so that you can defend the, the defenseless. And absolutely those are those are principles that we do want our kids to have. And um, you know, no, you don't go and antagonize somebody and get in a fist fight and be like, You're a jerk, I'm gonna punch you or something like that, you know. But you know, I have older boys and and I I've seen, you know, the differences maybe between how they might treat each other when they're doing dishes in the kitchen together and how they might stick up for their brother at the playground if somebody said something mean or whatever mm -hmm. and you know you want them to think about their body as a tool of righteousness like you really actually want Absolutely. them to to get that through their head like that matters god that you know your body is not an instrument of unrighteousness you have been brought from death to life and so now your body is to be used in the service of the living god and that matters Yes, your your body is to be used to give life to others. And that's yeah, that's the most important thing I think that we can teach kids about their bodies. Absolutely. So us as moms, or even just maybe if you're an aunt and you have nieces um, and nephews maybe too, but um, I think a lot of the time we get kind of the the difficult job of imparting important truths about bodies to our children. We're usually the ones that are home with them. Um, mm -hmm. We talk about our bodies, we look in the mirror, we say things to ourselves, or we think things and it's all over our faces and our little girls can see it. Mm -hmm. So how does what we model as moms impact the way our children view their bodies? I mean, just like anything that we model for our kids, it's going to impact how they think about themselves. So if you, you know, tell your kids that you're so smart, but then frequently like forget things and say, oh, mommy's so dumb. Like what they're going to learn is, is mommy's so dumb. And also I'm probably dumb too mm -hmm. when they forget things. And so we, we try not to say, at least I try not to say self-deprecating things about myself because I don't want my children to pick up on those things or to transfer those things to how they think about themselves. And um, that's true of, of your body and also of your, you know, your skills and your character. And, you know, as women, I think that we, um, you know, we live in a society that is highly visual. There is a lot of temptation to compare. There is a booming industry out there, which is always telling you that your body needs to be changed, you know, that it needs to be thinner or healthier or curvier 
or, um, you know, you need to wear makeup or you should have this hairstyle or your clothes need to change. And I think that if we let those things get us down, if we listen to, um, the messages of the world, which cause us to denigrate our bodies, it can be a big problem, especially for little girls. And one thing I often think about as well, as well as how we, how we compliment little girls versus how we compliment yeah. little boys. And, you know, I want my husband and I specifically with our girls try to compliment them by saying things like you were really kind. That was really thoughtful. Um, you know, you worked really hard at that. And, um, you know, I think so often little girls are just praised for being mm. beautiful or cute or pretty, or they're complimented on their hair or their clothes. And I don't see this happen with my son as much, you know, people are like, Oh, he's so smart or he's so funny or he's so active or, um, but very, uh, you know, it's very infrequently that I, I hear like, Oh, he's so handsome. I love his blazer, right. you know? Um, but for some reason, it's okay to talk to little girls that way. And so we try to praise them for character virtues. And um, it's a way that I try to talk about myself as well as like, this is why mommy is valuable. And um, these are the things that mommy likes about herself. And, you know, those, I think those things are really important to forming um, a little girl and a little boy's identity in um, you know, rooting it in their in their character and who they are in Christ rather than in how they look or or how their body is. So good. I love that. And it, it is so important. And I think I've had this conversation with friends, like, it's not bad to tell your kid, oh, you look so cute. Like, you know, good job putting that outfit on or something like that. Like that looks or that looks very nice, you know, if it's clothing related to say, oh, that's a very nice, you know, outfit you put on or something like that. And and to keep it really specific what you're actually talking about. Like, am I talking about your clothing mm -hmm. choice or am I talking about, um, am I, am I giving the impression that your value is your, your appearance? You know, you don't want that to be the case. And, yes. and so, yes. yeah, I think it's, it's really important to, that means also that we have to be paying attention to the moments where kids do really well with something like they were really generous mm -hmm. or they were kind, or they were thinking of someone else and not themselves. And, and to really um, mm -hmm. encourage those sorts of things because the reality is they're using their body to glorify God in that moment. And you want to completely encourage that and foster that in them. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's really um, important not to give a physical appearance compliment and then couple that with the statement, you know, I love you. Right. Yes. And, you know, I can remember when my daughter, my oldest was a little baby and she was a really beautiful little girl. Um, and my husband would say, oh, Alice, I love like, you're so beautiful. I love you so much. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, we can't talk to her like that, you know, because even though that's true, she is so beautiful and you do love her so much. We can't like relate your, your worth to her that way. And it's hard because I think all of my kids are really beautiful. You know, I look at them sometimes right. and I'm like, oh my gosh, God just made you like a perfect little human being. And like, you are so incredibly precious. Um, and I have to like, stop myself, walk it back from saying like something like, I love you related to their physical appearance. Nice. Um, and so often, you know, I'll have to remind myself to say like, that was so generous. I love your heart. I love you. I'm so glad that like, this is who you are, you know, and I like you so much. We try to tell the kids a lot. I like you and I love you. Yes. Yes. It's so true. Our kids need to hear that from us too. It's so important. Mm -hmm. 
And I have totally caught myself being like, you're so cute. I love you. Like, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just not, it's like, wait, I, it didn't come out the way I meant it to. Like, <laughs> I know that there's a better way to say that. So I usually mm-hmm. try to like separate those statements a lot, like by a couple of minutes at least to be like, you are so cute. And yeah, or something like that. And then, or to just say, when I feel like saying, you are so adorable to say, I love you. And just, I love who you are. And yeah. yeah. And we think about how, you know, if God made our bodies and he made them to be used in his service, I wonder a lot of the time, like if I love my kids and I think they're adorable, what God, what does God think about us? Like if he's our <laughs> yeah. father and he made our physical bodies, does he look at us sometimes and say, I just really like that I made you, you know? that's such a sweet thought I hadn't considered that before but um yeah being a parent does show you the delight that God has in in children and and us as his children that's so comforting that's been such a great conversation with you Danielle remind me again the name of your new podcast sacred season okay we're so excited to introduce that to the listeners as well and to get them in touch with some of your books um we'll put those in the show notes I'm so glad you've been here. Before we go, would you let me know what has God been doing in your life or using to encourage you in your walk with Him? Um, So in doing with my life, that is an open question um, and one that I am earnestly seeking an answer to, but it's definitely been a bit of a wilderness season for us over the last several months. Um, But in terms of what He's been using to encourage me, I have been loving the book Every Moment Holy. Um, there's liturgies in there for all kinds of things, including changing diapers and doing laundry. And it's, it's a good reminder that God is, um, redeeming all things. He is in the everyday little cares. Um, one of my favorite liturgies is actually the liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee, which I think we all need one of those in our life. I do. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's just a wonderful book. That's been such a gift. It's full of poetry and amazing theology and beautiful prayers. Um, the other thing that I've, I've been really loving is, um, an Anglican rosary, which I know um, the word rosary for some Protestants makes the, you know, the back of their necks prickle, but um, it's just been wonderful to have a set of prayer beads and to um, be able to engage my physical body because it's, it's so hard for me to slow down when I'm praying. You know, my mind is often going a million miles a minute. And so the prayer beads are something for me to hold in my hand while I'm praying and to focus on sort of the back of my mind and my fingers while the front of my mind is engaged in, in prayer and in meditative prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lovely way to pray through, you know, a lot of the, the classic prayers in scripture, the Lord's prayer or, um, the song of Simeon or the Magnificat. Um, and there's a bunch of prayers that are formatted for use with the rosary and it can be used for a free prayer. I have a book where you can pray the Psalms using the rosary. Um, and so that's, that's just been a really, um, really great way for me to connect my body, mind and, and spirit and prayer and to come to God a little bit more focused and able to meditate on his word. So I would say those two things are my my go-tos right now for encouragement. That's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. I've never heard of that. I actually didn't know that that existed for I'm not I'm not Anglican myself, but I I wasn't aware of that. That's really interesting. Oh, I wasn't either. My husband gave it to me for Christmas and I was like, "Okay. All right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do what to do with this." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
just going to roll with us. <laughs> All right. Well, that's really cool. Actually, I, I think it's, it is really important to remember, you know, and I, I think everybody has a hard time staying focused when they're praying, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people that I talk to do, they think, oh, you know, what happens if I fall asleep when I'm praying? Does God, is he offended by that? Or, you know, and, uh, <laughs> no, he's was, not. no, he's not. That's the answer to that is no, he's yeah. not. You know, I think that that's actually, he's probably delighted that we fall asleep trusting him and, and mm-hmm. confiding our, our needs and, and desires to him. Um, that's how I fall asleep. I don't know about you, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens for me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it is really good to know, like to, to remember that, um, there are ways of physically engaging our bodies so that we are aware and and thoughtful in our in our prayer processes. So that's really cool to hear that. Um, and the book Every Moment Holy, I keep seeing this pop up in my Instagram feed, but I have not <laughs> opened it myself, so I'm gonna have to see about that one. Yeah, it's wonderful. I highly recommend it. You can buy it. Um, you have to direct, buy it directly through the publisher, which is Rabbit Room Press. Right. That's right. Okay. Now I now I was thinking like who published that and now I remember where I saw it the first time. Okay, perfect. Thank you so <laughs> much again, Danielle. I hope that you have a great day and that the Lord blesses that your continued work. I can't wait to see what Catechesis Books puts out next and what you're creating. I'm so excited for it. Well, thank you so much for having me and for the awesome conversation today. It was great to be back. Thanks again for joining us today. You'll find links to Danielle's work and social media on our show notes page at women-encouraged.com. Be sure to connect with us on social media too. We're on Instagram at Women Encouraged and on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page. In Matthew 20, it says that as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Even if you're not observing Lent officially, you'll probably know that we'll be approaching Good Friday next week, and this is a good time for us to remember that Jesus was deeply aware of the suffering his physical body would endure on our behalf. But he also looked forward, Hebrews tells us, to the resurrection he knew was coming. And so we are made able to run our race, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Friend, as you patiently wait out the COVID-19 pandemic, as you think on the brokenness of your own body, as you teach your children or grandchildren, and as you encourage one another, look to Jesus. Remember Him. Draw your strength through Him to run your race faithfully.